Hey, hey, welcome to Pocket Change. I am Candace Lott. I never know what to do with my hands while talking, so I'll keep them busy while doing laundry. Hang out with me while I ramble on about all kinds of topics and different seasons of life I've experienced. It's going to be loads of fun. Let's get to folding. Hey, hey, happy whatever day it is that is you are listening to this. Um, it is Friday in my land and let's see here. It's been an interesting, busy few days in our world. Um, but today's topic is going to be pretty heavy. Um, it's going to be grief. This is something that has been on my list of topics, um, ever since I started thinking about doing this podcast and it is something that, um, kind of all came to a full circle today, um, which is why I decided that I should, uh, do some laundry and just hit record and, um, talk it out. So to give some backstory on, um, what we're about to dive into. Um, so we, in Mar, I'm sorry, May 18th of 2020, we lost my ex-husband and my girl's dad. Um, and it, it rocked us all pretty good and there are grief is so funny um there are days that we can talk about it um and not you know not not that we're not sad but just we can talk about it and not get emotional and then there's days like today a little bit um where it's just just very real and still very raw and still frankly hard to believe. Um, so today, if Chris and I would have stayed together, would have been our 12 years, 12 year anniversary together. And that's, that's crazy. Um, and then this morning I was at an event and um, I met a, an individual who is a part of the grief support group that we got connected with after Chris passed that helped the girls and I out. And that was an unexpected meeting and boy did it bring up some emotions. Um, and the thing is, is that grief is, is a funny, funny little thing. And if you follow me on social media or you know me like in person in real life, um, grief is something I talk about pretty openly. Um, I talked about it. Um, my washing machine is going, that's fun. Um, I talked about it quite a bit whenever Chris and I were separating 
and going through our divorce because that was a whole different level of grief and a whole different kind of grief whenever you're grieving this life that you were so sure, so sure was going to happen because no one ever gets together and gets married and goes, man, I can't wait to divorce. That's not, it's not typically how that works. Um, well, in our case, it's not how it worked. And so whenever you're, and if you're out there and you've been divorced, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about because not only are you losing your spouse, you're losing your partner, you're losing the the hopes and dreams and and what you thought your life would be together. And you know, I remember when Chris and I bought our house together and we thought that was going to be our forever home. There was this tree in front that had vines all in it and I was convinced that is where we were going to be taking Mackenzie's prom pictures because um, at that time Emma didn't exist and I, you know, I was convinced and I knew that that was where we're prom pictures were going to take in and that you know, this house is where we are going to have our grandkids come over to. Um, and that was not the case. Um, that's not how our story ended for Chris and I. We, you know, we got to, we separated in 2008, end of 2018, right around the holidays. Yay, super fun. Um, I moved out, well, I, yeah, we officially separated whenever I moved out in the beginning of 2019, and we were officially divorced in May of 2019, May 21st to be exact, of 2019, and I remember... The day we got divorced, Chris and I, um, after everything was finalized, we walked outside and we stood there on the court steps and we hugged. We hugged each other so tight and we cried and we gave each other a kiss because um, we didn't hate each other. That's not why we were getting divorced. Um, there was, we didn't hate each other. Now there were times there was plenty of arguments to be, to go around for sure. Um, but we didn't hate each other. And like I've said, for anybody who asks, the only three people who knew the, you know, the nitty gritties and the ins and outs of why Chris and I got divorced is me, Chris, and God. And beyond that, that's all you need to know. Um, the end for that one. Um, so we didn't hate each other and I, we stood there and you know, it's just, it's very bittersweet because you're, you're grieving the life that you expected to have. So today, whenever, you know, Facebook memories reminded me that 
11 years ago today, Chris and I went out to celebrate our one year anniversary of being together. And I remember like it was just yesterday going out. I can tell you exactly what I was wearing. I can tell you that I wore different makeup that night. And he even said, he was like, whoa, what's going on with your makeup? So he even noticed. Um, and it just, you know, there's not a lot of support groups out there for the ex-spouse and the, the spouse who is, the ex-spouse that is now left with the kids and everything. And cause Chris and I got divorced and we did the divorce ourselves, um, which basically meant we worked out the custody and we agreed upon it very cordially or whatever the correct word is um, for that. And we didn't disconnect our finances from one another. We basically just agreed, you pay this, I pay that. And even, you know, call it fair. Um, no child support or anything was worked out. And I remember the judge being like, are you sure for zero? And I was like, yeah, we're going to be adults about this. We're going to, we're going to co-parent and we're going to, we're going to figure it out. Um, now I would definitely recommend if you get a divorce, have an attorney, um, because it was already hell after Chris died. And then it was an extra layer of hell dealing with everything that came with that because our finances were so intertwined. Um, and his, his family didn't didn't stick to Chris's side where, you know, we would split everything. So that was, that was a new form of, new fun of hell to be in. Um, so we get divorced and flash, flash forward, fast forward to March of 2020. Um, I had been dating Mike for a bit uh, my now husband, and he was with me whenever the girls, he was at my house when the girls came home from going on a spring break trip with their dad to San Diego, which I am, I am forever be grateful. They got to go on that trip and they got to have those memories with him. Um, because those are the main those are still the main stories they talk about when they talk about their dad. Um, so they come home and COVID was just starting here in the States. And I remember they came home and they had fevers and I freaked out because I was like, oh my gosh, they have COVID. Da, da, da. Um, of course, they didn't have COVID. They just were on a flight and... Then shortly after that, lockdown happened. So, you know, the whole homeschool, all of that, all of the fun that came with COVID. Uh, so the girls would go back and forth between Chris and I's house and we would, you know, <laughs> frankly, whenever they'd go to Chris's house, I would be 
slightly relieved because it gave me a minute to like catch my breath and not be doing work and homeschool. Um, that was the positive of the shared custody is it gave, gave me a mom break, which is probably whoever, you know, somebody out there is probably going to hear that and be like, you're a terrible mom. But whew, there were some days I was like, please, please come take them. I need, I need a minute. My, my, they know where my closet is now. They know how to get in. Uh, and so they were over at, they were with him on, uh, March 2nd when he fell. And I, I live at the time about a mile away from him and his parents. Um, and I had texted him that night to be like, Hey, I ordered flowers for his mom for mother's day. Cause that was coming up and I let him know, like, here's what the card says. So, you know, it is showing up so you can act like you bought it <laughs> and you can act like you, you, you ordered it. Um, and so that he, he hadn't responded, which wasn't totally unlike him. He wasn't the best at responding to text messages. Well then May, so we, so Mike and I go to bed as if nothing is going on. Um, then May 3rd, I get a call from his mom early in the afternoon, um, which is a little odd since I hadn't really spoken to her a lot since the divorce. And she proceeds to tell me that Chris had fallen while they were, while he was at their house for dinner. And he was taken by ambulance. And they had done an emergency brain surgery. And he was currently in the ICU. And we were waiting for him to wake up. I, I don't exactly remember what I said. Other than she said, Please, will you come get the girls at six? They want to stay here until then. And I, now looking back, I should have just driven straight over there and picked him up and scooped him up. Because um, she had let me know the girls had seen him fall. And were there when their dad was taken away by ambulance. And I instantly, I think I told Mike, what was going on. I don't actually remember if I did or not. I remember just grabbing my keys and driving to the hospital and you couldn't go in because it was COVID. Um, and I yelled and screamed and cried and just begged God to give him back to us and let him come out of the hospital. And I told Chris, I was like, we are not done arguing. We have so much more to fight about. I'm not letting you out that easy. We have a whole, we have two children to raise together. I'm not doing this alone. It's, it's 
no, I'm not doing it. You come here. You come out of the hospital. You come here right now. Um, and I don't know how long I was there. And I drove back to my house and I sat in my closet, which was like my safety spot during all the hard times whenever I lived in that house. And I remember I called my folks and my brother and sister-in-law and I let them know. I have no idea what they said. No idea. Um, and then six o'clock rolled around and I was at their house and I just remember hugging those kids so tight and I got an update from his parents on how he was doing. And then for the next um, 15 days, yeah, next 15 days, it was a pretty much a big blur um, on May 15th, I believe, the Friday before he passed. I don't exactly remember the date. Um, I had worked with the children's counselor at Baylor and we had received permission for the kids to go in and see Chris and say goodbye because they knew the decision had been made to remove him from life support. Um, so we had, we had to get permission from everyone and their mom to go into the hospital because again COVID and there was it was just the most weird thing to be in a hospital in the middle of the pandemic um well, I guess in the start actually we we were the only people there that were like there was no one in the hospital no one doctors and nurses and patients that was it like the fact that we were there was incredible the fact that they allowed us to be there was something i will forever be grateful for um and i remember we had these masks that um mike's family made for us and they like tied up here and then tied back here and they were cloth and they were so big and um i remember trying to tie the girls up and you know, going through the, the health check to get in and we met with the counselor and the counselor proceeded to tell us what what to expect and tell the girls what to expect and what they're about to walk in on. And I'm just going to say the 10 minutes we were with him in that hospital room were the hardest 10 minutes. Um, but the girls got to say their goodbyes. Um, mainly, I mean, they, they were kids. They didn't know what to do. So they just stood there and cried. Um, and then we went home and awaited for the phone call. The phone call that we knew was coming. And just didn't know when. Because that is a terrible thing about... All of this is, you know, 
you just don't know what's going to happen. So we go home. And in the meantime, I had spoken to the grief counselor and gotten the tools in place for what I needed to say and how I needed to say it for the girls. Because at the time, Emma was five and Mackenzie was 13. Um, I think that's right. And you have to say certain things in a certain way for their brains to comprehend as much as they can what you're saying. Um, so go through the whole weekend and then, and God bless my family. They, they came up and sat with us and had food delivered and we were, you know, it was COVID. So it was just my immediate family, my mom, my dad, and my brother and sister-in-law and their kiddos. And we would have other people come by and we would talk to them via, we were in the garage and they were on the street and it was just so, so odd. Um, and then on May 18th, I got a text message from someone um, that I used to be close with whenever I was married to Chris. And she said, heaven gained a good one. And I, I remember I was sitting there playing Barbies with the girls. We were using books as walls. And, and I just, I walked in my room and I called his mom and she confirmed. And I don't know what happened after that. My mom was there with me. And she held me. And then I had to do the thing that I had been, been taught to and been prepared for for the past few days. I had to tell my kids. And y'all, sorry, there is not a lot in this world that prepares you for that. So, my mom calls him in, and I honestly, I don't remember how long we were in there. My mom and uh, Mike said we were in there for a good long bit. To me, it felt like we were only in there for a few seconds, and... Um, I told them that their dad had died. And he was no longer in pain. And we would get to see him one day, but he is no longer here on this earth. Um, and then I do remember that night, um, one of Emma's teachers had reached out and gave us this book called The Invisible String. And I read it to him. It's about uh, whenever you have loved ones in heaven and how they are always connected with you. I read it to him. And I remember they, they fell asleep and I... I didn't want to go to sleep. 
I didn't want the day, I didn't want to start the day without him there. I didn't want to have a day where the kids didn't have their dad. So I stayed up, I think anyway, for a while. I just, I didn't want to go to sleep. And I remember waking up so early that I watched the sunrise and I just, it was the first sunrise that he, he wasn't there for. He was, he was gone. And, um, and they say that he doesn't, it doesn't really like sink in until like after the funeral. Um, cause you're usually like going through like the motion and especially with close loved ones and you're, you're planning the funeral and you're this and you're that. And it's, you know, the business end of it. And well, because of COVID, we didn't have Chris's funeral until June 20th. So just over a month since he had passed. And it was unbelievably hard. I was just at a friend's mom's funeral and she made a comment. She said, no one prepares you or tells you what to do when you're on the front row. And she's right. I remember we didn't know the, you know, there's all these like formalities with funerals. You know, family walks in, you sit down, all the formalities. And no one, no one prepares you for being on the front row with your kids saying goodbye to their dad and then his parents saying goodbye to him. I mean, I couldn't even imagine. Oh, I couldn't even imagine. Um, and so we get through the funeral. Um, and they, they handled it like chance, man. Like our girls are the most resilient girls. And I really hate, I hate that word so hard because kids shouldn't have to be resilient, but damn, those kids are resilient. Um, and then, so we've had the funeral, um, and we've now get to start, you know, the fun grieving process. And that's when it gets really sticky. Uh, because if you've gone through a death of someone close to you, you know, like, you'll be, I mean, you'll be having just the best day. And then someone will say something or just a thought that pops in your head out of nowhere and you just, you absolutely lose it. Um, grief is so weird and terribly funny like that. Um, it's just like today. I mean, today was a good day. I mean, I had a great morning. I got to go to my kid's school and volunteer. I got to do stuff. And then, you know, but I got to meet a, someone who was a part of a, a grief support group that impacted us. And then, you know, Facebook reminded me that it would have been 12 years today. So then it's like, it, it almost starts it all over again where you grieve 
for me, it's I grieve the life that I thought I was going to have before the divorce. And then I grieve the life that I wanted to have after the divorce, the co-parenting life. And then I grieve the life that the kids don't even know. Like, it's so funny. It's not funny. Haha. Ha. It's just like one of those things that the count, my counselor and I were talking about the other day is the kids are doing just so good. Um, the first, the first two years were, were tough. Um, but I am a big, big fan of counseling and, um, I would not be here if it wasn't for counseling and if it wasn't for Mike. The girls and I would not be doing as good as we are without my husband. Um, and it's one, of the, it's one of those things that I knew, like, God has to know what's going on because he put Mike in my life at just the right amount, right time. And he brought Mike and I together at just the right time. And he brought, I mean, he just, we wouldn't be anywhere we were without Mike. He, he cooked for us. He fed us. He made sure we ate. He made sure we slept. He made sure we drank water. <laughs> He made sure we were going to the bathroom at a general use of like typical time. Um, he checked on us. He, I mean, he still has, he still checks on us. Um, that's what he does. It's just Mike. But y'all grief is so hard. It is. And I really wish it was talked about more. And I was talking to the lady at uh, my event this morning and she said, it's such a hard topic because, and I, and we were talking about, it and I said, yeah, I go, I call it getting my sad on people. Um, no one wants to be sad. No one wants to be in their car crying. Um, but there, there is grief in every day, whether that's grief over a job you didn't get or a job you did get, and then you you know, the promotion you didn't get or the family member you lost or the fact we are in freaking lockdown for forever. Um, there's grief all around us. And the thing that I am appreciating more and more about the process of grief is being okay about talking about it and being honest about it as much as I can without like, you know, I don't even know what it is. It is something that will knock you down to your knees in one minute and make you not able to get out of your bed. And then the next minute you can have the thought of a loved one or, a, you know, a life that you thought you were going to have and you have that thought and you're happy. You're like, it actually, you know, I'm here today 
and I get today. And it does make you appreciate life differently. Um, grief does change you. Um, I used to be a really big bubbly human being. Um, and now I'm not as bubbly, a uh, little bit rougher around the edges, a little bit of a, oh, I don't even know what the word is. Just a little bit of an all over the place kind of lady these days. Um, and one thing that, not one thing, I think I've said that five times, but with grief, both me and the girls have had to talk to a counselor and we've had to work through medication to help us. Um, and that's, I really, really, if there's one takeaway you get for whoever's listening, and if you are listening, thank you so much for hanging in there because, oh boy, um, is talk to a counselor and if they prescribe you a medication, take it. Um, it is there for a reason. It is there to help you through a time that is an unthinkable thing. Um, at one point, someone's you're going to experience being at the front row of the funeral. You're going to. It's going to happen. And it's going to suck. It's going to suck so hard. And all you can do for that person is just be there. Um, because that is the terrible thing about when Chris died is we didn't have a lot of people that could be there for us, like actually hug us and come and be next to us. They, we were in the garage and they were in the driveway. It was so disconnected and still appreciative of still appreciate everyone that drove over to, you know, give us loves and sent packages and flowers and all of that. But there is just something about just sitting next to someone and holding their hand or just sitting next to another human being and being there. Um, man, y'all grief is, I just, I hope if, if you're, if you stuck through it this long, you, you do learn to talk about it more, um, because it's very important. It's all part of life. Um, and don't shy away from it. Don't, that's the worst thing you can do is you, you shove it down and not think about it. That is so bad. Well, it's so bad y'all. You have to like sit in it. You have to sit in the icky feelings. You have to sit in the corner of the room and cry. You have to sit in the middle of the room and cry. You have to start a podcast while you're folding laundry. I mean, you do weird shit whenever you're grieving. Um, you do. And I look back and, man, that first, first year after he passed, whew, it was a doozy. Um, the second year, Somehow was was harder in spots, but better in others. And then this will be the third anniversary coming up in May. And 
I already know the suck that May is going to be because of it. Because from May 2nd to May 18th, each one of those days, each year, I'm brought back to those feelings and I'm brought back to those memories. Because I just look at the calendar and I know three years ago today was the worst day of my life. And each one of those days was just incremental, incrementally, incrementally worse. Um, but you're not alone if you're grieving and you're sad and things are hard. Um, get help, talk to someone. Heck, you can talk to me. I, I mean, you can get your sad on me. I get my sad on plenty of people, trust me. I'll totally, you can get your sad all over me. Um, but now I'm clearly not doing laundry anymore because I've done all of it. And except for the masses and out the dirty clothes behind me. But yeah, this was something I knew I wanted to talk about. And I knew it was going to be hard. I knew the suck was going to suck. Um, I knew it was going to be long. I'm at upwards of 36 minutes right now. So, whew. but I also knew that I needed to get through this one and share this bit. Because this is a big part of my story. It's not my story. It is not the pillar of my story. It is a part of it. It is a very large part of it. But it is not something that defines me. It is just something that everyone has to learn to move with grief every single day. You have to... And I... I listened to a TED talk and she, I love the way she said when people say we move on without them. No, we move through life with them still. Like I fully believe Chris is still like watching over us and a part of our lives because he was, he, I mean, he was their dad. Um, he will forever be a part of our lives and he was my partner. He'll, I mean, he's, forever and ever going to be here and he is a huge part of our story and he will continue to be a part of our story and whatever you're dealing with is a part of your story it's not your it's not it's not who you are it's not if you lost a, a spouse it's not oh I'm a widow that's not you are more than that you it is a piece of your story and they I fully believe they don't want us, if someone has passed, they don't want us to just be like, well, here I am. I couldn't move with them in life. I had to stay stuck where life didn't exist after they were gone. So, okay, I think that's it. I'm going to go, uh, you know, let me go be. But thank you guys so much for listening, and I appreciate each and every one of you. I really do. Thank you for listening to Pocket Change. You can find me on the internet at candace-lot.com, on Instagram at candacejlot, that's lot with two T's, and on Facebook as Candace Lot. I look forward to meeting you. Have a great day.